1: Episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club, Oakland, a sports bar we love. If you listen to this pod, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans makes that experience even better. Obviously, catching a game at the house on your own is fine. I've done it for decades, but watching a game in a spot that lets you scream and cheer and just generally lose your shit with other Dub Nation fans is way more fun COVID took that from us for a while, but the ACO has given it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, not just the parking spots in front. Their entire side street created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge TVs, and their full complement of great service, food, and drinks. It's big It's comfortable. It's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes, the NFL playoffs, or really any other sport with other fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food. I love their space. I love their TVs. I even love that it's pretty family friendly. I can roll here with friends and get too fired up, or I can go with my wife and kid and simply enjoy a game while also having brunch. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors. And we hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors' huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual after far too long of a break. My boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? And our master, (laughs) of all things Sound Maxine. How's it going? Gentlemen, after even longer of a break, after way too long of a break, rejoining us, a host on KNBR, the Sports Leaders Airwaves, a Golden State Specialist for the Bay Area News Group, and a man who apparently agrees with Bill Burr that the NFL draft is a waste of television time, Mr... Dieter Kurtenbach, what's going on, Dieter?
3: Uh, I agree with Bill Burr on the joke. That doesn't mean that I'm not the blanking loser that doesn't watch every round of the NFL draft and think like, oh, this is a really interesting pick coming up. Uh, It's it's just hilarious. Uh, And you will be able to find out everyone who's picked tomorrow in the San Jose Mercury News and any other newspaper or any other website known to man. But yes, uh, so happy to be back. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course, as a, I don't even know how to phrase it, recovering something as a former Raider fan. I don't know what the hell to do with the NFL in general, and I sure don't know what to do with the NFL draft. So instead, boys, let's talk basketball. We've got a lot to cover. The Warriors just made their way out of that first round series. And so I'm going to skip the whole glass half full. We're going to jump right into the meat of this episode, our golden questions. Dieter, you might remember this. It's our mailbag. These things get a little personal. These do, but they also deal with lawyers. Um, and let's start with our first, although a quick note. So we're recording this on Thursday, which means we're before game six of the Memphis-Minnesota series. We do not know who the second round matchup is yet. Once we do, we'll do another pod. But in this one, we're not going to be able to really go through that matchup. But here's a question we actually do have. Quote, Was game five the most frustrating playoff win in recent memory? Um, To give you boys a little bit of time to think, I'll go first. Fuck yes, it was. A million percent it was. (laughs) So I've, I've got a younger sister. She's probably in her, not probably, she's in her early 20s. And she came by to watch the game with my wife and kid and I. And I would imagine, man, she came through to have a good time. You know, the, the Warriors are supposedly going to close it out. I have told her, like, I'm a Warriors fan. Like, we really enjoy these games. She came through, and I imagine it was like watching Rain Man on fucking meth, dude. Those first three quarters, <laughs> I was not talking, not talking, not talking, mumbling, mumbling, mumbling. And they were like, no, damn it. And, like, would walk off into the back, walk back in. They are all, like, sentence fragments about this goddamn team. I can't believe this. And to be fair, fair, it's not that they played terribly. It's that they didn't play with the urgency I wanted. Is that they didn't play up to their potential. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll give an example. Sometimes I'll sit with my soon-to-be seven-year-old and try to help her read. And she'll be doing fine. You know, she'll read some word, uh, the word cat on one page. She'll read on the next page, and then she'll get to the third page, and she'll be like, ah, I don't understand it. I don't know that one. Like, the fuck you don't? You've just read it. Twice and that game five was like watching them read cat, read cat, and then say, I have no idea what this is. It was a frustrating experience, man. So for me, was it a frustrating win? Hell yes. Dieter, what was your experience, man? How did well, you go through this?
3: Well, first off, uh, the Warriors might have to be reading cat here for more than three times in the next coming round, <laughs> and that's going to be a highly frustrating experience. Um, It is absolutely the most frustrating recent playoff victory for the Warriors because there have not been very many recent playoff victories for the Warriors. This has been a minute. And uh, I found it interesting after last night's game, uh, Steve Kerr and Steph both noting that maybe there was a little bit of rust. Maybe they didn't really remember how to close out a team the way that they used to be able to.
1: Steph, after all the injuries, missing the playoffs the last two years, how does it feel to win your first playoff series since the 2019 Western Conference Finals? It's kind of
2: crazy when you say it out loud, obviously missing the last two years, so uh, I think you can see these first three quarters, we forgot what it felt like to like, you know, try to close out a game, the nerves, the energy in the building. Obviously the pressure trying to do it at home and I had to go back to Denver coach said on the bench He talked to me like going into the fourth quarter. It's been a long time since we felt this We still know how to do it, but you had to kind of you know Grind it out and uh, it's a good feeling to, uh, to go through and get the win
3: And I thought that was an interesting little bit of spin because I can point to four or five different tactical reasons why the Warriors didn't close out the game. I can point to number three and a second straight bad game for him in this series. I can point to what Michael Malone did and uh, some of the things that Denver did that I think could prove to be prescient in, in the coming rounds. But um, the Warriors, if they're confident that it was though just a little bit of rust, then no big deal. But the last three games of that series were tough. And I keep going back to games one and two. And I think a lot of Warriors fans, and it sounds like yourself included, keep going back, back to games one and two. First impressions are everything. And the Warriors came in to this playoffs with, with such like a they were a nebulous concept. No one knew what the hell we were getting. They could legitimately have sucked. They could have been the greatest team in the world. And trust me, they were a lot closer to the greatest team in the world after those first two games. And we all drank the Kool-Aid and we all tried to come up with this, you know, new nickname. I mean, we it was euphoric. People were buzzing. You want to talk about some you know, doing stuff on cracker cocaine. That, those first two games was basketball. Junkieism, and for them to fall off. And again, a lot of credit to Denver for that. And I do think Denver is the matchup that should have probably been happening sooner. Some of the things that we saw in the final three games, but for people to see the first two games, the blowouts, the greatest version of basketball that you've ever seen in concentrated forms for them to then go into slug fests, and play real playoff basketball against a team that is unquestionably inferior, just given, not just the baseline that we saw in games one and two, but you know, just you're looking at it. Okay. It's Jokic, maybe it's cousins. And uh, if Aaron Gordon hasn't, I mean, who else? Monty Morris, come on now. Let's have a conversation about who's on Denver. Uh, It's concerning and it was frustrating. And so I think the Warriors better hope that it's rust. I'm not sure it is. Time will tell. But these next rounds, they're going to be far more challenging, whether it's Memphis or Minnesota. Looks like Phoenix will probably get through and we'll find out here in the not too distant future. Again, we're talking Thursday uh, before these games are starting. So we'll find out. But um, yeah, good times, bad times. They gave us plenty of reasons to believe, plenty of reasons to doubt. And well, they advance so we can all figure that out in the wash.
1: MT, how'd you experience this, man? I imagine you just handling it coolly, not really worried. Uh, they'll
3: pull it out. Well, when I was receiving your
2: texts that were just incoherent and very frustrated, I was like, oh, Bram is at the game because you were <laughs> screaming at the fans. You are like, they're so quiet. It's unbelievable. I hate them. And then when you were like, I'm I at home, right I was now. like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but I shared the frustration. I mean, obviously, I to um, Dieter's point when Steph made that comment that they forgot how to close out a, a team I thought that that was an interesting insight you know calling it spin I think is probably fair um, but it's a nice way to look at it right it like is. that's like, nice oh we just, we just <laughs> forgot we just forgot <laughs> oh, that's how right, to do that's it. right but um, <laughs> you know like is Denver the most prolific team no but they're The West wasn't easy. And, you know, they were, you know, Jokic is a beast. And I think they were in the playoffs for a reason. He dragged that team to those, to that record, 48 wins, however many they had. They did not have Jamal Murray. They lost Michael Porter Jr. Early in the season. So, um, you know, I think to say that they were just a terrible team um, and that, you know, it's going to get infinitely harder, I think is a little unfair to the matchup and how good Jokic is. But what they, the adjustments they took too long to do, um, which Dieter was referring to, and, and having Aaron Gordon, you know, be a little more aggressive down low and play in the key more and exploit our lack of size, to me is a recipe for disaster for us if we play Memphis. I think Minnesota doesn't have the experience to to exploit that but memphis does and they have the size to do it so um hopefully it was a wake-up call hopefully that spin was you know was something that they're just using as a way to deflect but um we have to clean that up quickly because if we try to go death line up and start that against um Memphis team, Um we're in trouble. <laughs> we're,
1: we'll cover this down the line, but unless you're recording this from a multiverse of fucking madness, what are you talking about? Memphis has more experience. They haven't done shit anywhere. They don't have any goddamn experience. They're just like Minnesota. But we'll get
2: to that. We'll get to that. What- well, Memphis has the most improved player, which is frustrating. Oh. If, no, motherfucker,
1: no <laughs> he hasn't improved in the playoffs. None of those
2: fuckers have done anything in the playoffs. Yeah. But
1: we'll talk about that. They beat the-
2: us in the playoff and the playing game. Play in.
1: That's, that's not even a playoff. Play-in.
2: That's a yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's right. an in, not an off. That's exactly. Exactly right. But But they went to to the off, right? To finish
3: this. They did go to the off. Then what happened?
1: They didn't win shit. They didn't do anything.
4: Again,
2: (laughs) they're
1: not going to (laughs) suck me into this yet. We'll do this in a minute. What I will say about the frustration, the reason I was so frustrated, those first two games, because Dieter's hit it out of the park. Those first two games, it felt like the Warriors showed up to win. Game five felt like they showed up to watch uh, the other team lose. For them to Denver to just hand them the game. And it wasn't until the fourth quarter where they realized, okay, well, actually, and basically led by Gary Payton, no, we're going to have to take this one. And that lack of urgency, you know, drove me to heavy drinking and alienating my sister. I woke up this morning, dude. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever had this, but like sometimes I'll wake up and I'll feel guilty about an interaction I had the night before. Not that I did something terrible, but you're just like, oh, did I have to- It's called
3: life. That's called living.
1: Okay, (laughs) dude. So I woke up this morning, like, I think my sister, might think I'm a crazy man. Like I completely lost my shit last night and it was during a win, you know, like, they they moved on which made it even crazier round us out here maxine how did you handle it were you were you fine i know you watched it at a bar
5: yeah, it was not. It was not OK. I was hanging out with some friends. <laughs> They're about to move out of state. It was like supposed to be a nice time. You know, I was expecting a game one, game two situation where we're going to have some fun. We're going to watch Steph make some threes. And I'm going to go back to saying how much I'm going to miss them in the not too distant future. And instead, I had, I mean, I lost my voice. Um, I was despondent for three quarters. Right. I, just the, the ups and downs of excuse me, not the ups and downs. There was a lot of down and then an up near the end. And that is not how I like my
1: basketball. Does anyone know who the dude was sitting on the dentist as random as hell? But occasionally, the cameras would catch a dude sitting on the Denver, Denver bench with a bucket hat and like a pink shirt, and he was random looking as hell. Does, does anyone yeah. know who I'm talking about or who the hell that guy it, was?
3: It was my my wife asked me that same question. He he has been uh he's been impressive with with the drip over the entire series. <laughs> he's got to be like the two way player on that team or something. No. But my wife my wife asked me in game three, it's like who is that guy? And it was a little bit embarrassing. I'm like I have no idea, and I don't even know where to start.
1: I said, oh, this makes you feel any better, Dieter. I had a similar experience with my wife. She asked me and I said, oh, it's a fan. And then Jokic went over and like gave him a hug when he came out of the game. And I was like, okay, it's not a fan. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know who the hell that is.
3: I just want to know who the uh, the guy in the Jonathan Kaminga jersey was who was standing up every 12 seconds on, uh, on the near baseline.
1: I do too. And here's why. I'd like to send him like a bottle of wine and as many like free gifts as I can. He's the only fucking guy who would stand up at J-Center when they need. <laughs> Them so Those were, I was going to do this a little bit later on, but these are the texts that, that Marcus was referencing. It wasn't just the Warriors who showed up with a lack of urgency. It was that Chase Center crowd. Mm-hmm. So I the, the one piece of criticism I've been able to throw at Chase Center since it opened its doors really showed its head last night, man. So that, that crowd's passionate. I'll give them that. They, they are. Yeah. When when the Warriors give them something to cheer for, they cheer as loud as any other fan base. But the problem is is that they never stand up and give the warriors reason Mm -hmm. to play harder to give them a spark they treat this experience like a movie if there's something really good going on they stand up and cheer it if something really poor is happening they sit down and they act accordingly that's not how basketball fandom is supposed to be and it sure as shit is not how it's supposed to be in the playoffs last Mm -hmm. night the warriors desperately needed a spark that's what the fans are there for. And for three quarters, they didn't provide it. I was frustrated. I, mm-hmm. Does anyone want to um, chase in Or am I being too no, hot? I, 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 I,
3: I think that it's a fair criticism. I do think, again, standards are so high when it comes to stuff like this. Yep. Oracle was a one-of-one. One, and I say this as somebody who came in from the outside. Um, I can talk about the acoustics and why it was a terrible place to go to a concert and a brilliant place to go to a basketball game, uh, wasted a lot of money on concerts there. You did nothing, nothing, just noise.
0: Um, yeah. It's like,
3: hey man, who thought it was a good idea to put a concrete roof in this place and then charge me 110 bucks to listen to somebody bounce off it. Um, but that creates this incredible, almost collegiate like level of noise. And, uh, certainly the structure itself, it was very tight. No one would build a stadium like that in the modern era, full stop. But uh, it was was a brilliant basketball arena. And the fan base from just decades of watching shit had to learn how to elevate their team. They knew they had a responsibility on the, the day in, day out, because their team was not good enough to win without them. And most fan bases would just quit on the team. Credit to Oakland, credit to the East Bay. I'll give credit to the whole Bay for... Having such a strong fan base amid so much shit, that doesn't transfer over. It, it, it's kind of stopped being the true oracle. After Kevin Durant showed up final two, two years there, you saw the change. They could start charging more. We started getting the Patagonia vests. We started getting the celebrities. We started getting the peninsula crowd. And, you know, listen, the peninsula crowd can get pretty rowdy, but not when you're sitting in $5,000 seats. That's not the peninsula crowd that we're looking for here. It was a lot different when it was a Stubador who was sitting in row five than it is some dude whose you know, startup app is called Stubador. So it's, it's changed dramatically. The arena itself doesn't lend itself to it. And I would say that there might be one or two other places in the NBA that can maybe even rival what what Oracle did, where the crowd understood its role. I think that it's pretty standard operating practice that most people are there to be entertained and don't feel like they're part of the proceedings. And I think the NBA That's a problem with the NBA. It's a problem with a lot of leagues. I think it's just the the nature of entertainment in this day and age. Everything is very passive. Everything is very a la carte, um, (laughs) which I know are kind of opposites. But you you understand where I'm coming from. Uh, It's not it's not when you're paying that much money. I don't want to have to work. I'm here to relax. And uh, it's it's just a different beast. And it's going to be frustrating. I mean, I, I think Draymond Green, who, by the way, is really challenging my old notion that he's never been wrong because now he's just putting out a tremendous amount of content on a day in and day out basis. And we have more to sift through. And he's been wrong a couple of times here lately. Not that I like bringing it up because he is a soothsayer, but he has he consistently mentioned over the last week, like, it's not Oracle. It won't be Oracle. We got to stop comparing it to Oracle. Oracle is a one of one. I know that we would like to think that the fan base just transferred over, but the fan base was gone before the transfer even happened in terms of what made that fan base truly special. This is the the, the modern billion dollar game. It sucks. I don't like it, but I do think that Chase Center to defend it here. I do think it can get it can get real loud. It can get pretty rowdy. It's just not It's just not that special compared to anything else. And that's fine. And it's not going to develop into that, by the way, it just costs too much damn money to be in there. And the standards are very different when it costs that much money to be in there. I ain't standing up for shit. These seats are comfy as fuck.
1: If I am losing. Like if, if these guys can't be as passionate is what it is. If their tax bracket means that they don't have the same basketball knowledge that the fans I'd like to to be there would have fine is what it is. You know what? I wouldn't mind them being in their seats. Right when I thought I couldn't be more like yeah upset and upset, it's a tie game going into the third quarter and fools aren't even in their seats to start yeah. it off. I, uh, this is another common critique. I get people are saying it's a new stadium. They don't know how to get there. I'm, I'm not accepting that anymore from here on yeah, out. No, that's, that's at awful. least need to be watching the game while the game's being played. I don't feel like that's that's too much to ask. Enough shots at Chase Center. Let's go <laughs> into the It's a good arena. It is. It's a, it's a look. It's a good arena. You know this whole thing is bittersweet, right? I mean, i am, right. we're we're taking shots at a successful team. We're, we're, yes, we're I'm complaining about a win. So all of this is a little tongue in cheek, but well, it's it
3: makes really me, me the perfect guest for today. By the there way,
1: there you go. Boom. What? I didn't select a haphazardly? i was fired up. To have you. <laughs> Marcus, why don't you take this one? Uh, quote. Please do a glass half crazy for the full Denver series. This one was written to us by Matt in Denver. So I have no idea what the fucking glass half crazy is. I no love word. that line, though. That's really yeah, interesting. That's why I read it. It's exactly why I threw this in here. I also don't know why someone who lives in Denver is listening, but welcome aboard, Matt. We probably lost you after that last game, but it's fine. That's, um, one
3: the, that's one of the Denver Warriors fans that showed up in such great know? numbers.
1: Could be. It, it absolutely could he be. He now lives
3: in Denver. Like so many people <laughs> moving out state, he used the Warriors series against the Nuggets to just live in Colorado now.
1: Or maybe Matt just likes to be really, really specific when he writes emails. Just depends where he's at. Like other emails is like, this is Matt on <laughs> the bus. And I'd like to
3: tell you. Somewhere you know, over Utah right yeah, now. It's
1: possible. You know, he just likes to let us know where he's at. He's like, I've had I'm to
3: do on. that for a byline. I've had to do that like somewhere midair. Hey,
1: Well, then maybe this question came from Dieter. We And he just called himself Matt. But Marcus, <laughs> make it a regular it. one. Glass half full. Give us something good, something bad. But the entire uh, first round series, what, what are you pulling out of this?
2: Yeah, it's a good question from Matt, third in line at Shake Shack right now. Um, (laughs) Glass half full is that this is still the first few games that Steph, Clay, and Draymond have all played together. We harped on the fact that there were multiple seasons within this season when Clay comes back and then Draymond got injured and when they're all back together and then Wiseman was supposed to come back. So the fact they only played 11 minutes together and then finally played again in this playoff series, maybe that those first two games were just adrenaline from that beam from the core three being back and then it settled in and they were like, oh shit. So glass half full is that they got that initial adrenaline out of the way, the Clay crossover and dunk in his first game back and now they're really going to start settling in uh, glass half empty is that we just need size, 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 like Kavon Looney being our only true size and center and you know he's at 610 at most when he's standing on his tippy toes is is going to be rough I-, I felt like Steve Kerr's, um, praise for DeMarcus Cousins after the series was justified. DeMarcus was amazing, especially in the last game. Um, but I think it was a little bit of a, a, a olive branch and like a, Hey, if you're still looking for a team next year, um, you know, we, we have a minimum contract for you. So I think, um size is just worries me and it's it's glass less than half full because it's just we can't win with the with our that depth lineup it worked because kevin duran is 610 We can't ran- even reach halfway up <laughs>
4: exactly <laughs>
1: there's, there's a random aside and i'll give you a glass half full um well you know what i'll just jump right into the the glass half full i'm gonna essentially echo what you just said marcus um glass are the things i'm optimistic about not only were the big three back, but they looked like the big three in stretches. Steph was spry. He was locked in. He was uber competitive. You know, we even saw the good night gesture that's featured on uh, Maxime's screen here. Uh, yeah, exactly right. Okay. Draymond locked in defensive savant you can even make an argument that he's in a better place mentally last night mm-hmm. to start off the game that 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 dunk by aaron gordon when draymond was on the ground and you know gordon starts talking shit is the exact kind of setup that led to draymond getting suspended you know and instead mm-hmm. of taking the bait it was aaron gordon who walked away with the technical so there's some growth there which leaves clay Clay's locked in, and he's also back to doing random-ass shit that I don't even think he notices is random. Uh, last night, they had footage of him coming to the game on an electric bike. He literally he rode he rode into the tunnel on an electric bike, parked it there, and then walked through. If that's like LaMelo Ball, the bike's color is like matching his hair color, and it's like this big fucking thing that he wants everyone to notice. Clay just needed a ride to the game and just decided to take the bike into the tunnel. So yep. you know, those things are back. The downside, Marcus already said it, it's the size. And I'll just give you um, a more specific example. If there's something that's more disheartening and gutting in watching sports and watching the opposing team get more than one offensive rebound, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is to, oh, you know, it's
3: like- It's a good one. you
1: guys ever done that thing where like, you can't find parking, you're looking, you're looking, you're looking, you're looking, you find a space. And then before you can get to it, somebody else takes it. And now you got to start the whole fucking process over again. And it's just, you, you almost just want to go home. It's like the offensive rebound, dude. Like they, they fight so hard to get the stop. You think it's over, you got there, and then you watch it just go to piss and you got to start the whole process over again. Um, and this was my random aside. You talked about DeMarcus. These these series, I'm so schizophrenic. The Before the horn sounded in game five, I hated Aaron Gordon. I hated DeMarcus Cousins. I hated Monty <laughs> Morris. I couldn't look at their face without like losing my mind. Then the horn sounds and I'm immediately like, you know who I'm really happy is like, Respect. is contributing again. DeMarcus, dude, he <laughs> deserves this. Or like hometown kid or, or Aaron Gordon. I'm so happy. He's finally had the success. So, you know, what? Right. Uh, sign number 8 billion. I'm a psychopath. Uh, you know,
3: <laughs> something Good, something bad. I'll go off of the board here a little bit. I'll go with a little bit deeper cuts because couldn't agree with you guys more on the original points. Here's a good thing. Andrew Wiggins. I thought Andrew Wiggins was really solid in this series. Was it spectacular? Is it a total game changer? No, but Andrew Wiggins I thought showed a level of professionalism and understanding of his role that was often wavering in the regular season. And especially when the Warriors go to the three-guard lineup, whatever the hell you want to call it, him playing up against a team in Denver, by the way, that could really create some problems there. I thought he performed very well in that role, and that bodes well because that's going to be the lineup that gets them over whatever humps they have in front of them. That is their victory. If they can play that three-guard lineup, they can win games. They can win a title. If they can't play that three-guard lineup, it is going to be a slugfest, and any win will be hard fought. Here's the glass half empty. Andre Iguodala. I thought Andre Iguodala was spectacular in, I believe it was game three. I thought he was immense. I thought he was vitally important to a winning operation. But... The joke I had throughout the entire regular season is that Andrea Iguodala is very much operating on a, a quasi Kyrie Irving situation without all the nonsense, where he's just here one day, maybe he won't show up the next. You never. He, he was he was working part time, and uh, that means he doesn't get benefits, which is a really shameful thing. But. Um, it, and you understood, right? You knew the circumstance. You didn't hold it against the guy. It wasn't this like negative thing. Like you need Andre Goudala. Where is he? It was more to the sense of, you just don't know if you're going to have Andre Goudala that day. And when he comes back, he might play for six minutes and then go away for another two weeks. We didn't even know if he was in the country at certain points this season. So um, for him to come into the playoffs and impress in, in just those kind of deft Andre Goudala ways, and then to just kind of have to fall back right into the injury stuff was really disheartening for me because I was really enjoying actually watching this guy play basketball a little bit. And I know the odometer is high, and I know I shouldn't hold it against him, that his old man body is breaking down on him. But, like, damn it, Andre, you had all season to get healthy, and you're not healthy, and that sucks. But also, like, damn it, Andre, I got to hold it against you just a, just a smidge. You sandbag the whole damn year so that you could play throughout the entire playoffs, and then he's missing games in the playoffs when they really, I thought, could have used him because the pace and the control of the game got really janky. And you want to talk about, you know, playoffs being a man's game. Those last three games, that was some tough physical stuff. Andre Godala, like he's built for that. He can play all five positions in that. And he was spectacular when he would get paired up against Jokic. He could be the point guard when Draymond wasn't on the floor. There was a lot of really solid things. And I do think we'll see them down the line, but I just don't know if we'll see much Andre gudala down the line. And that, that creates a bit of a problem for me. So that's a class half empty point
1: follow-ups working backwards so i'll start with andre and totally agree with it it's not just that he's out it's that he sucked me in first he had that turned yes. up to clock dunk where you're like oh my god he's been saving himself you know like no he's back he's, he you is sandbagging a, son of a bitch exactly. he is a 16 game player and the 16 games are right now and then now he's not playing at all which yeah head fake and then the wiggins thing and i, I wasn't going to say this but i feel like i have to now that missed putback dunk at the aim of, at the end of game four is a fucking microcosm for Wiggins' career that, that he had the athleticism to be there that he knew how to read it that he that he was right there to finish it out in a giant playoff moment and then he came Did up to short imagined? and seemingly didn't care. He was okay with it you know like didn't seem like he was gonna lose any sleep and you know.
3: What He you, doesn't care about any, like, even when it goes well, he doesn't care. So oh, I don't hold that doesn't care. Like he, there, there is no more energy you're getting from it. This is the level he, he operates on the low. Like if it, he was a mic level, he's operating at two decibels out of a hundred at all times, which we could all aspire to in some exactly. ways in life. We're very, right. we're tightly wired. That dude's wires are like 15 miles apart. So I, I get it. But if he had finished that, they would have had to have shut down the sport because that would have been the coolest shit we'd ever seen.
1: Exactly. It was everything. It's it's. Um, and so I still believe in his ability to contribute and what you just said, how important, how vital he's going to be as we go forward is on the money. And I think he can do it, but yeah. it was, you know, it's just another piece of what I would imagine Minnesota fan has been dealing with. The oh yeah! Time. Like, oh my God, he's going. Oh, he's not going to do. Oh, he doesn't <sighs> care that he. Didn't we need
3: do it. we need the Minnesota series, and uh, it, we're asking a lot here. But we need Minnesota versus the Warriors just so that we could get fifteen sidebars about Andrew Wiggins every single day. Here's this is, I'm just here. thinking from my media mind here. It's
1: perfect, and I'll let's throw it towards you, Maxine. New question: The mic is yours. The Warriors: Why they're playing Memphis or Minnesota in the second round? Who would be an easier matchup for Golden State? And who do you want them to play?
5: Yeah, well, I could take them in reverse order because I totally agree with Dieter that just the not just the storylines of Wiggins coming from Minnesota, but also we saw in the regular season how much the whole team got him riled up to play those games. Mm-hmm. And I think he mm-hmm. performed substantially better in those environments. So listen, I think Wiggins in the playoffs overall of all the 16 teams, he is the best fourth option of any NBA squad.
3: Yes. So cool.
5: I mean, come on, like, what, it, no, yes, right. he had some dud moments, but, like, it, we, it's such a blessing to have
3: him. And but if you we know, can have, have him Him in or the Tobias series, Harris. Oh, my, oh.
5: <laughs> oh, listen, poor bias, man. Like a couple of years now, it's just like that's a that's an 82 game player, yeah, for sure. Um, no, but no. yeah, I I think, and I also think it would be an easier matchup. It's it's not just my own bias as the two seven seed, um, you know, playing the seven seed obviously would be a boon in general. Uh, but I just think the grit, the way that Memphis played us in the play in, I know it wasn't the playoffs, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, a higher stakes environment last year does not leave me with don't a good taste. Marcus,
1: don't say anything about higher stakes environment. <laughs> a real fucking experience i don't think i've forgotten it's only been like 30 minutes since he brought up that bullshit. play into the
2: playoffs you know,
1: okay empty go ahead your call now <laughs> Who's, which is the easier one and who do you want to see him play
2: um easier is minnesota i think that's pretty straightforward um so who i'd want to see is minnesota memphis scares me again for their size um i think stephen adams um, you know jaron jackson jr the way they crash the boards, Dylan um, is just a a menace, you know, he fouls way too much. Same with Jaron Jackson, but those are going to be a tough five to six fouls per game that will wear down on our, um, you know, death lineup. So I just would rather see uh, a D'Angelo Russell first time ever Anthony Edwards in a playoff series. Um, And then Kat just, you know, he's, he gets upset and angry when he has an off game and, you know, he's, he's, uncontrolled mad, which is just weird. He's not like I'm focused and ch- channeling this anger into an amazing player. He's just like silly mad where you look at him like, dude, you're just a clown. Stop <laughs> acting like that. So I'd much rather go up against that for a series. I think we beat them in five, maybe six. I think Memphis goes seven and it's a coin toss. Yeah. Peter, we'll,
1: we'll crescendo to you. Um, who do I think is the easier matchup? I think there's going to be a clean sleep. I'm also going Minnesota for a couple of reasons. One, I, it's how intimidated I am to play their superstar. I am not intimidated in any way of Cat. I think we can beat Ja, but between the two, I you know I, I think Ja presents the bigger challenge. Two, both teams are are coming off as remarkably confident right now, but I think Minnesota's is paper thin. I think that if you punch him in the mouth, that confidence is going to disappear, whereas has Memphis has that, that kind of young cocksure. You punch him in the mouth, they're coming after you as well. So I think they're the harder matchup. Who do I want to see play? This is a surprise, boys. Memphis. So I am considering this the silence the critics tour. If the Warriors somehow fucking come out and win this championship, no one can say shit to us. Can't say shit about anything. Not about KD. Not about the finals MVP. Nothing. They can all shut the fuck up. The loudest critic this year, Memphis. You know, there's no question. So if, if I want these silenced to the critics tour, let's go through the hardest road. Let's go into Memphis and let's show them that their lack of experience, I'm sure that they've got a bright future. The future isn't here yet. And we, we kick them the hell out. Uh, Dieter, where are you at?
3: Minnesota is the easier matchup. All the reasons already listed. I do want to note that John Morant has a knee thing. Not that you would notice from that dunk the other day, but John Morant had not been his full Jonas uh, in that series, really up until that play. And uh, it speaks to sort of the spirit of that squad, and they got a lot of it, uh, that, that he elevated his game in that point. Uh, I still don't think anyone on the Warriors could check him outside of Gary Payton the second, but a, a little bit slower down jaw is interesting. Uh, and Jaron Jackson has not been good at all in the postseason. So um, you think about, okay, well, now you're getting 30 minutes of Draymond against him. In theory, that could be interesting as well. But there's also the Michigan State thing. Listen, Memphis can control the pace of the game when they're on. They can control it by going fast. They can control it by going slow. They can score in the fast break. They can score in the half court. There's some mean motherfuckers on that Memphis team, man. They throw rocks. Dylan Brooks, all he wants to do in this world is hand-check Steph Curry. (laughs) He was built for it. They got like six dudes who are as wide as they are tall, They scare the shit out of me. I don't know if they're that good. I really don't. I mean, they obviously have a very high ceiling. They're an impressive operation. They're not some scrub team. They're the two seed. But they scare the shit out of me because the Warriors – very cavalier with the ball. They foul too easy. You know, they, they really eased into it, right? Like they came out hot and then they took their foot off the accelerator and they showed all of those things that we saw in the regular season when we're like, I don't know about this team, man, they could go out in the first round. They showed all that shit in the last three games. And then you go up against a Memphis team. Who's just like, you said, you know, you punch them in the mouth and they like it. Yeah. They like the taste of blood. That's their favorite thing. They're like, yeah, now I'm up. Memphis scares the bejesus out of me. I agree with you on seven from a media perspective. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, cause that series is just going to feel like the playoffs. It's going to feel rich. And if you're just a straight up basketball fan, and I think that it's going to, I think it will capture any casual basketball fans imagination. Whereas 30 minutes of Draymond green against Carl Anthony towns is going to, um, well, it's not going to go well for Carl Anthony towns. So <laughs> let's just I think I would that. just
2: add to all due respect to Minnesota coach Chris Finch, but I think Taylor Jenkins is a very, very good coach. and yeah, he, he matches good yeah, you that- right um that attitude of you know not only do they like to get punched in the mouth but they actually ask for it because they need that taste of blood as their little gummy <laughs> you see his
1: reaction do you see after they won that last game do you see the coach's reaction oh, yeah,
2: yeah. i mean he oh, he, yeah.
1: he was i mean that game meant the world to him and it it kind of backs what you're saying FT. he's he does have that personality um and at the risk of of merging this with the conversation we were having before i think one of the reasons i was so frustrated with the warriors win you know who they reminded me of you guys remember when when tyson lost to buster douglas and it's because he came in there expecting buster was going to lose and he just looked like he had the the warriors looked like that tyson for three quarters if they do that for one quarter against memphis we've got problems but Mm -hmm. we'll see you know we'll get there um you know what I'd love to be, and we'll get to our personal and our last question here, but I'd love to be a fly in the wall. So in that Memphis, Minnesota series, one of the things they love, the TV loves, is that Cat's dad and Jaw's dad is going to every game. They care. So now they're making them sit next to one another. And they, mm-hmm. they like the drama and they like showing them. You know, it is what it is. I'd love to be a fly in the wall when someone calls Gary Payton. who's like, hey, we'd like you to sit next to Jaw's dad. And he's like... Fuck you it's like yeah, there's a zero percent chance i'm playing your stupid ass tv games dude like i'm the glove and i will not be on the you know the sidelight version while the playoffs go okay
3: el curry's like i'll do it
1: yeah, in, a, in a heartbeat and he'd have to fight his. <laughs> i got a new belt yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's go all right our last question boys and it's a judgment theater one i'm excited for quote when the warriors lost game five all of the sports conspiracy theorists came back out to say that the league obviously told the refs to extend the series do you guys believe in any sports conspiracy theory so don't answer me instead judgment theater i want us all to go around and guess if any of us believe in a sports conspiracy theory Start with me, boys. You guys know me. I am hyperbolic. I take things far too hard. Do you think I'm a sports conspiracy theorist? Is there anything out there that uh, that I believe in? You're,
5: you're baiting us. Hold on. Hold yeah, on. You exactly. just, come on. You just said, yeah, I get riled up. I don't know, man. I, I feel like this is a biased question. I can't answer it correctly now.
3: Well, you no, can, no, I mean, you, can. you know, it's a trap. You yeah, know there you it's go. A what trap. are you
1: talking about? If you, you're answering it, if you think I'm trapping, you say, Yeah, because, because the other
3: know. thing you like to call yourself too, is a very rational person. No, you might, you might act crazy, but no, at a certain point, it always comes back. We got to act like adults here. I'm going to say no.
2: I'm 100%. Yes. I think you still think there are David Stern conspiracies at play here in the NBA. <laughs>
5: But are we sure we can call those conspiracies or not? <laughs> no, <Just kidding>. true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm also saying no, I don't think so, Bram.
1: The answer is no. So I want to, I desperately want to. The, the one I'm closest to believing is that Jordan didn't want to leave the league. That there was something else going on mm. and that somebody had mm. like a conversation with him that, you know, like, Hey, there's been some impropriety here. We want you to take a step away, but there's no specific one. I agree with, I'd like to believe in the, um, the, cold envelope.
3: The, yeah, yes. Okay. I well, believe I'm in gonna, the cold envelope.
1: Another great one. Well, Peter, we're trying to fucking get to you. You just ruined, you just like completely spoiled that. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, no, I'm just going to go tell guess, you straight indeed. up. Hold on, go for real. <laughs> yeah, that's not even a conspiracy theory. Um, <laughs> I'd like to believe that the NBA also sends specific refs, you know, like when the three, the three zero thing happens, Scott
3: Foster it's going time in
1: there. Okay. That's, that's exactly right. But even then it's hard for me to believe because there's enough for, you know, there are sweeps, they do happen. Um, yeah. so I'm on the, no, I was going to go to Dieter second, but we already know the answer. So we'll save him for last. Let's go to Maxime. <laughs> Let's go to Maxime. I'll go first on Maxime. I think, People would assume yes, because he has, like, weirdo hobbies. He's climbing trees internationally and shit, things I can't necessarily immediately associate with. So, like, you'd think he'd be that dude, but having got to know him, he's actually fairly down to earth. Um, I bet you he entertains sports theories, much like I did, conspiracy theories, but doesn't believe in any of them. I think our answer is no here.
3: Let me go with yes. I, I I heard the way he was talking about David Stern. I don't think it's a high threshold to get over with some of the 80s NBA stuff. Uh, shocking.
2: I'm going to agree with our guest and I'm going to say yes. I am not shocked in any way, shape, or form. Maxine, what's the answer?
5: Well, I mean, I'm the type of person that doesn't believe in conspiracy series because I was in the room to actually see the behind the scenes happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Or I mean, at the top of the tree, I should say. Um, <laughs> no, but I got to tell you, I, I, like this is all precipitated by this game four situation. And like, it was very, it's very hard for me to feel like that was a completely fair situation. Um, So I'm like teetering on the edge, but no, I don't, I don't believe in conspiracy <sighs> theories. I just absolutely, I just, I'm too much of a of an optimist, and I believe too much in the goodness of humanity to really think that there's uh, some
1: back end shadiness going on. Oh man! Well, if that's the parameters, then I do. I definitely <laughs> there's
3: back end shadiness,
1: but there's no question about that. I just don't have a specific theory. Let's uh, let's knock Marcus out fairly quickly. No way. There's no way Marcus is a conspiracy guy. I don't even think it requires explanation. <laughs> I do not think he believes in conspiracies, and I do not think he believes in sports conspiracies.
5: Yeah,
2: no, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> no. I'm actually a little more on the fence. Uh, oh. being conspiracy oh. You're just saying
1: now. You're just trying no, to. Yeah, not, now, you, now story, you just want to be story. special. Why? Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, but why I it, it is no is because if there were ever a time to pull the conspiracy card, it would have been to save the Nets and have them not get swept. So the fact that <laughs> the Celtics swept the Nets and they didn't get more out of that Brooklyn team who was supposed to go all the way, um, I think proves that there aren't really, or at least they sent the wrong ref crew to that game.
1: Any other sports conspiracy though? Don't limit it to just refs. Is you know something out there? Do you think? you think something has happened in the past uh, that was? I mean, you'd have to have a specific theory that you believed in. Do you have any specific conspiracy theory you believe in? Um.
2: Uh, no, you don't. No, I just but actually, wait. yes, you do. You
1: you believe that somehow John ja Morant played in the playoffs somewhere and got a fucking huge experience, <laughs> which is weird as shit, dude. Like that's a brand ball this experience. Yeah, I've <laughs> never heard of in my life.
2: Like what he did play in the playoffs no. last year. Yeah,
3: <laughs> For um, seven days exactly. Um, no, but that it, week was very transformative, though.
2: It was. Thank you, Dieter <laughs> the <theater> knows. Uh, <laughs> uh no but there are just things that I think happen in the sports world that are highly questionable like a like that pass interference call for the Saints um in the playoffs two years ago like those kind of things it's just like uh or you know just now the Yankees um we I was finding out that the Yankees stole signals and MLB Major League Baseball covered it up like those kind of
3: examples are like, well, something has to be at play. It can't be. That was a fearful. conspiracy at one point, right? Like it, it was, exactly. it, that was a fun rumor that everyone had for the last three years. Like, well, the Yankees were doing the same thing too. And it's like, well, you can't prove it. And now it's out there. And it's like, well, that's not a conspiracy that happened. Exactly. Well, well before it was proven or before right. we had, you know, something immediately to point to, it was just a conspiracy. I'll say this because I've already let myself out of the gate. There's a lot of stuff that happens. There's a lot of nonsense well, behind the scenes.
1: Before you answer, because let me I'll okay. reset it. All right, so we okay. will we'll take the frozen envelope off the table, gentlemen. <laughs> we know that that he doesn't view that as conspiracy. Um, and for those who aren't, aren't don't remember this well, uh, when Patrick Ewing was the presumed yeah. first pick in the draft and literally a, a franchise difference maker. The, at that point, they didn't use ping pong balls. They used envelopes in this big uh, round tube, and the theory was that—that's uh, yeah, right. The theory was that the NBA took the envelope for the Knicks put it in the freezer so that when David Stern reached in and had to pick amongst a bunch of different envelopes, just who had the first pick, he could tell which one felt different. It was the Knicks and out he pulled and they, they wanted it to be New York. That's the frozen envelope theory. So we know Dieter believes in that. All right. Take mm-hmm. that one off the table. Do you think that Dieter right now believes in another conspiracy theory, one that has not yet been proved? You know, I'm not, not the Yankees one, one that's out there, but has not been proved. Uh, what's your guys' guess? I say no. I think he believes generally speaking in conspiracy theories and is smart enough and locked in enough to know that like, look, shady shit happens and it's just a matter of it of it openly being proven, but I don't think he has a specific one right now that he believes in that has not been proven.
2: I think he believes that Iguodala was out of the country somewhere and we don't know how it's going to be proven. <laughs> All right. There you go. So that's a yes. Maxine?
5: I, I don't know. Dieter is like Seems like he's got encyclopedic knowledge, yes. and I think yes. therefore has a rolodex of situations that are teetering on the brink
1: of. Deter, I created some. Real. I created some fucking conflict. Give us the results. What's what's up? Did you have a conspiracy theory that you believe in?
3: I just want to say that I've lost all respect. Sorry, it's absolutely rigged for money, ratings. In not sure which. I won't be silent, but I saw it live. Sorry, that's all I want to say about that. <laughs> uh, Aisha Curry's very famous tweet. Couldn't agree with her more. Um, (laughs) uh, Right now, off the top of my head, it's so difficult for me to discern what's a conspiracy theory and what's just some weird, shady shit happening behind the scenes. I think to the vast majority, if I were to just talk to a friend who's not in the biz... They maybe construe that as a conspiracy theory. But I always come back to one thing. It's called Hanlon's race. It is to never uh, attribute to malice what can be explained by stupidity. And I think that the one thing that people really do need to know about what happens behind the scenes in the billion dollar world of professional sports. And I say this with a lot of love. There are a lot of fucking idiots out there and they are making some really big time decisions. This isn't to like say like, oh, every GM is a moron. I'm smarter than them. No, there are some people who are just not mentally capable of handling the station that they have somehow reached in life. And we're talking player side. We're talking sneaker side. We're talking team side. Every, every office you've ever worked in has a couple idiots. Professional sports, just because they pay all this money, is no exception. And in fact, somehow, I feel like it has a higher per capita rating. So um, I, to, to answer the question, no. That said, I could tell you some stuff that I think a lot of people, and we have to go off the air, but I could tell you some stuff a lot of people would think is conspiracy theory. I can give you like four things on Debo Samuel right now that would be considered conspiracy theory, but it's not conspiracy theory. It's idiots making big money calls. So that's where I stand.
1: In related news, you and I need to grab a drink and all I want to hear is (laughs) every piece of information you have, but uh, that's for off air stuff. Peter, you you would be, um, and I'm sure I'm not alone for people who need more curtain back in their life or
3: something. San Jose Mercury news and the East Bay times. I'm writing columns there. Like, I don't know consistently. It's just a steady stream of Dieter. So good luck with that. And then I'm hosting on KMBR at nights. Uh, I'm going to he- head over to the station right now. We're doing it right now with giant season. It's all ups and downs and who the hell knows when we start. But if you tune, tune on <laughs> KMBR at night, most of the time you'll hear me. Uh, and especially once we get done with the NBA playoffs. So it's a very busy time. It's a very exciting time. And uh Thanks for having me on guys. This is always like, I say this legitimately. I always have a blast when I come on with you guys and I've been on a lot of other shows. That is not always the case. And there's no conspiracy theory there.
1: (laughs) It means the world to us. And I I know that, you know, the feelings mutual, man, I always really enjoy your appearances. Um, There's not a lot I need to say about the Warriors huddle. So instead Marcus, for people who need to watch
2: some alternate universe Memphis games, where do they go, man? Is there like a channel that they tune into or? Just rewatch the 2021 playoffs. There's all the John Morant experience you need right there.
3: Five <laughs> whole game.
2: <laughs>
1: With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully we'll see you next week.
4: Good, good.